We're going to go a little bit different direction today than we have been, and I'm going to talk about ability, have you received? And so if you will, open up to Mark, the first chapter, and um, Jesus is our example, how a person who is in fellowship with God, how they're to walk, what they're to do. You know, I've said this before, and I know it may sound weird um, when I say this, because people look at Jesus' life and think, that is a picture of God in the earth, right there. And really, it's not a picture of God in the earth, though it is God in the earth. But the Bible said he emptied himself of his eternal weight and glory. And really, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but Jesus' life for him was, it was substantial. It was incredible. It was necessary for humanity. But in one way, it was the low point of life or his existence. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but... Um, but it was a high point because it was an expression of love for humanity. But in this sense, uh, he had a greater glory throughout eternity. And right before he, he died and rose again, he prayed in John 17 and he talked about restoring the glory that he had before he was here. So from that standpoint, he had God glory before. So what we saw was God's power working, but not in its full measure, because the Bible said nobody can see God in His full power and live. Not with the body like we have, you would just die. Meaning not you wouldn't exist, you wouldn't be able to be here, because your natural body couldn't handle it. You with me? And so he gave us an example, the Bible said, how we ought to live. And so many times we look and think that Jesus just walked in just, incredible power just beyond and it is incredible power it's god's power it's all the power you need but when the lord comes back every knee will bow that didn't happen when jesus walked on the earth mountains did not crumble but he could make mountains move and you know through faith and make problems change but the whole you know planet the planet didn't become flat and mountains crack and fall and darkness flee and all this stuff where, all, I mean, just in an incredible measure, that will happen when He returns in all His glory and every eye beholds Him. That is totally different. He had that before. So I'm not trying to diminish His life, His existence, what He did, but seeing it in perspective, you know, is totally different. I mean, you think about it. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, lived with Jesus, was out on the Mount of Transfiguration. They lived with him. The minute he sees him, it, the Bible said he fell down like he was dead in that vision. That's after he sees the resurrected Jesus in his glory. You, you get what I'm saying? And I mean, and not even all of it, because we wouldn't get the book of Revelation. Say, so, well, why? He couldn't live. You know, you hear stories about, even from the Bible, people had a vision, don't look on my face, because anybody who looks on my face in that realm can't stay in this realm. You just, sorry, wonder what happened to so-and-so. Enoch walked with God and was not. <laughs> 
for God took him. He just walked with God. You wonder, did he see him? Did he go, huh? And he was not. (laughs) We don't know. It just says, and he was not. For God took him. Just, huh? Goodbye. So we're talking, whoa, power. But when Jesus was here, he received the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we'll receive power. It literally means ability. And wouldn't receiving the Holy Spirit be ability? I mean, seriously. So Mark, the first chapter, we're going to look at this example of a life that was filled with the Spirit. Now, Jesus never did miracles, never did all these things till after He received the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, when he turned the water into wine or was used to do that, the Bible said this was his first miracle. He didn't do miracles before then. Then the Bible, another one happened, and it said this second miracle. Now, there are Eastern religions that say, oh, Jesus did miracles all the time as a kid. No, he did not. That's Eastern religion. That's not B-I-B-L-E, truth. That's why it said first miracle, second miracle. So his miracle ministry didn't happen and all this stuff until this day when he was 30 years old somewhere. I mean, 30 years old. Lived for three years. And he was God in the flesh, but he wasn't functioning as God. He received the Holy Spirit and whoa. So let's get started. Ability or the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, or Mark the first chapter, we're going to read verse uh, 1 through 5. We're going to go through a number of verses here. It says in verse 1, The beginning of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, if you read other stories, they call Him the Son of Man. Because there are distinctions. Though He was born of man, He really was God in the flesh but not functioning, because he didn't do miracles until he was filled with the Spirit. Notice this. As it is written in the prophets, or in other words, in the Old Testament, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, or before the face of the Lord, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came. He was here. He was born before Jesus, and he had a ministry, and he would be preaching to to Israel. The Messiah is coming. The Savior of the world is coming. He's coming again. Do you know, really, we are to stand in that role, too, that Jesus is coming again, and we should be preparing the way of the Lord, too? Because he is coming, and the way needs to be prepared. Because if Jesus would have just come, people wouldn't have been prepared. But the Bible even spoke about it years and years before by inspiration of the Spirit. And he said he's going to raise up this guy in the spirit of Elijah and he's going to start proclaiming the Savior's coming. And that's what he's saying. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. In other words, you know when a king would come, they would raise a highway so the king wasn't on a big old bumpy road. You know when it says every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be brought low? It was so that king could travel on a highway. You know, we're to prepare a highway for the Lord to come back to. 
so people who are full of pride and lifted up can be brought and be humble before the Lord. And those who are downcast and have no hope and are in a valley, you know, so to speak, in their life, we, we tell them there's hope so they can rise up so that the way of the Lord and His path is smooth when He comes back. And He's not finding a bunch of people who are down, though He will. And not a bunch of prideful people. Because those will be the people who miss it. And those are the people the Lord doesn't want to miss it. And so He doesn't want people full of pride and all lifted up. So when He talks about prepare the way of the Lord, make His paths straight, well, you read the other ones, it's just make it smooth. You know? And so when He said make path His path straight, you know, they would fix the area so that when the Lord came back, man, it was a smooth road. You with me? Not all windy. Notice this, or as little as possible. Verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. What are they doing? They are getting ready for the coming of the king. And this man is being used to, to do this. Men will still be, and when I say man, I mean mankind. Women, men, boys, girls will be used in this way. Notice verse 7. It says, And he preached, saying, There comes one after me, who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Think of this. He said, I'm not even worthy to undo his shoelaces, we would say today. And the Bible said there is not a greater prophet born among men before Jesus came than John the Baptist. Nobody better. Nobody mightier. Nobody greater. And he said, this one that's coming... I'm not even worthy to undo his sandal strap. Well, you could tell he wasn't a prideful person. He wasn't all lifted up about himself. He wasn't thinking it's all about me. I'm anointed by the Spirit. You know, God's using me. And all these people are coming into me. He had a right perspective. He knew what he was doing was bigger than himself and not about himself. I'll tell you what, man. You were there this morning. It was powerful. It's not about me. It's not about you. We're used, but it's about Him. And so it says, uh, and He preached saying, there comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Think about John's life. Even in his mother's womb, the first time a message was brought, Mary brought it, said, I'm with child. The Bible said John, before he was born. This tells us life does not start when somebody is born. It starts in the womb. If you don't like that idea and say, well, abortion isn't killing somebody, it's a mother's right. No, that's selfish. It's not about a mother's right, it's about a baby. Because the baby exists in the womb. 
And there's no condemnation. I'm not trying to condemn somebody who had an abortion either. But I am saying the truth that is suppressed here is this. John the Baptist, it said, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he leaped. It said he. Not this whatever stage of whatever. It said the baby leapt or jumped in his mother's womb and was filled with the Spirit from that day. I mean, he just heard a salutation about Jesus and that baby went off. And his existence in the womb even changed that the power of the Spirit came on him. So when he talks about this, he was acquainted. And little kids can be acquainted with God. Don't diminish bringing them to church. Getting them into children's church. And thinking, well, you know, it's okay. It's important for them to be there. It's important. God speaks to little kids. God does mighty things in little people's lives. Because they're just little people. You know, you were a little people once. I was a little people once. God spoke to me when I was five years old. I mean, spoke to me. And so here, he said, I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose his sandal. Verse 8 says, I indeed baptize you with water. And baptism in water is great. It's necessary for a believer. It is a right commandment. But notice, he baptized with water, but he said, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. Difference between water and the Holy Spirit. Is being baptized in water important? Yes. And there is such an emphasis in the body of Christ of baptizing in water, which is extremely valuable, which is extremely important because it really makes you act on your faith. It makes you act your faith. Because there's a lot to being baptized. You have to do it when, when other people are watching. It's a step that's outward, that is an, and faith is an act. And so you're just basically demonstrating to the world, I, I died with Christ, I rose with Christ. What He did when He was buried and rose is mine, and now I'm walking in newness of life. Extremely valuable. But John, man, baptized in water. Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will do this. Verse 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came in from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in water. So Jesus was baptized in water. Verse 10, it says, And immediately coming up from the water, He saw uh, the heavens parting. In other words, all of a sudden the natural world just split like a curtain and he started seeing into the spirit realm. And he saw the heavens parting or literally out of, or I mean torn open. He had a vision. There are angels here. God's spirit is moving here. But unless you could see into the Spirit and things open, that's what revelation means, to pull back the curtain and reveal. And here it says he saw the heavens parting or opening and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Just 
and abode on him. So we see Jesus' life right here has this event. He, he received the Holy Spirit. Things, I mean, this is wild to me. His existence radically changed. I always laugh when you run into people who are not a familiar, familiar with the power of God. And especially like they'll come on a Sunday night or different times and you minister to them. And, uh, you know, it happened last Sunday night, not trying to call people out. Uh, but there was somebody here. I, I don't know that they had ever had that before. And uh, they made a comment. And they're actually not here this morning. And I went to pray for them. And I said, you notice God? And he said, yeah, you were pushing me. Now, I thought everybody heard it. I said, no, I wasn't pushing you. So I said, now what I'm going to do is I'll pray for you a different way. And I'm going to put my hands and I put my fingertips. And if anybody saw me praying, I only had my fingertips on his shoulders. I put him behind his back like this. Not touching his shoulders. Prayed for him. The power of God hit him and just knocked him backwards and he fell into the chair. He got up smiling. Well, he obviously knew I wasn't pushing him. Because how do you put... My fingers don't have skin magnets, you know, and just pulled him that way. And he got up smiling. And he recognized. Well, when people aren't used to power or different things, you know, this, uh, uh, it can leave an impression. And there's other ways God works. But here Jesus receives the Holy Spirit and it's amazing to me how his life changed from this day forward when he received this. Now notice verse 12. We're going to go through things quick. Immediately the Spirit drove him or sent him out into the wilderness. The first thing that happened is soon as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it said he was led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that His Spirit that we receive will lead us and guide us into all truth and He'll witness with our spirit. That's the first thing that happened. Notice verse 13. And He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was there with the wild beast and the angels ministered to Him. Notice this. The first thing that happened after He received the Holy Spirit is He got attacked. You know, the Bible said the sower sows the Word. And the very first thing that comes is the devil will come to try to steal the Word from your heart. Some people go, you know, when I went to that church where there wasn't this teaching and all this stuff about the power of God, I never dealt with the devil because he ain't stealing nothing. He don't got nothing to steal. If, there's no, if you're not ever facing any opposition in your life, there's nothing there for him to steal. Because the thief comes, but not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. So if he ain't coming to steal something from you, you know what? You ain't got nothing to steal. You know, you'd just be a poor subject for a pickpocket. Did you get anything from him? He looked like he had nothing. He ain't got nothing. He ain't trying to steal something from people who don't got nothing. Somebody says, well, I don't like this. Well, you can stand up and, and if you have the power of the Spirit, and you do if you're saved and filled, you can make Him leave and life can be different for you. 
Serious. If you would start participating even better in praise and worship, you would know a difference in your life. If you would just get bold and go, okay, I'm singing every song, I'm declaring these things strong, you will notice faith rise in you. You'll notice the life of God being released through you. I promise you, if you do that, it will happen. And if you'll do it on your own and start saying, thank you, Lord, your ability and power is in me because I'm born again, that ability will start bringing illumination to your mind and you will see yourself get free. I'm telling you, it will work. And that's as good as a word of knowledge when I pray for somebody and say, the Lord is saying this. Thank you. So you should write that down. Right there. So, he gets filled, he's led. He, and then he's attacked. But notice, he overcame. You know, I'll just overlook the part angels came and strengthened him. He was conscious, just a side thought, he was conscious of the devil attacking him. Anybody ever been a conscious, uh, conscious of the enemy ever attacking you? You just, man, why are these thoughts keep coming? For, for no reason at all? I wonder if we should get more... Con- it said, notice, notice this, just totally, and i got to be careful because we can't get stuck here. Got to have straight paths of valley. You don't want to spin our wheels here too long. Notice this, and it said, he was in the wilderness 40 days tempted by, notice it doesn't say Satans and demons, this one, and was, in the, and was with the wild beasts and angels ministered to him. I have never personally seen a demon, but I have sensed them. Should we be sensing angels too? If we can be conscious of a demon, why can we not be conscious of angels? They were through the book of Acts. They were in the Bible to the point there was a bunch of teaching about it. Why is it one day I'm going through a tough time or just reading and all of a sudden it seems like supernatural strength just goes up in me and I'm like, woo, whoo. What's going on here? I don't, I don't know, but it's sure good. Maybe we should be conscious that angels are on assignment doing things for God, and all of a sudden we notice, man, I'm, what just happened to me? God, for some reason, see, we get conscious because we're taught about the devil. Well, how did that happen? wonder if an angel just went, beep, and touched you from heaven, and you went, whoa. Well, what, what just happened there? I don't know, just God in His mysterious ways. No, wait a minute. There are more angels than there are demons. See, we don't need to take time there. So, he got filled, he got attacked, but he overcame. Verse 14. Now, after John was uh, put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The next thing that happened was he never did this till he was filled. He started sharing the truth with others. In an interesting, he was led. He was attacked, overcame, started sharing. Verse 16, the next thing that happened. And this is all right after. None of this happened before. Verse 16, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further uh, from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John and his brothers, who were there or were in the boat, and they were mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Isn't it interesting? As soon as he got filled with the Spirit, he started uh, telling people, come serve the Lord. Let's go do the purpose of God. You know, there's people we know out there who want to do God's purpose and want to do God's plan. We should be doing the same thing. We know the truth. We've seen the Messiah. We know the Savior. Come and serve God with me. And what's interesting is there was an ability because he received ability and God worked on those people. Those people were ready by the time Jesus talked to them. You know, there's people that God will deal with you to talk to, and if you say, oh, I'm embarrassed, I'm doing this. I've seen this happen in my own life where they got snatched up by a cult. Like where I was like, Lord, I know they go to this church, and I know it's kind of whatever, but I don't want to say anything, but it keeps coming up. I'm not going to say anything. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, I, I talked to them a month or two later, and they're like, I was looking for somebody, and these people came to me. I was like, oh, Lord, forgive me. But there have been other times I've called and said, hey, yeah, we're, we've just been looking. I went and got tea this morning, at, and I don't get it often, uh, maybe once a week. And um, maybe that is often. I don't know. <laughs> don't condemn me, you everyday coffee drinkers that drive through seven times a day. I mean, not that I'm condemning you, just stating facts right now. Anyway... And uh, this one girl said, you got any exciting plans? I said, yeah, I'm going to church. She said, I've been looking. I said, well, I'll pray for you and drove off. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I gave her a card. I said, I go to a real good church. Got a good pastor too. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Then she acted like I was addicted. She said, I'll see you next Sunday. Now, I don't know if that means she's coming here or she expects me to go get more tea. Just interpret it how you will. You say, man, he seems amped. It's caffeine. No, it's God working. Amen? So God worked in all these things. But notice, these people were willing to adjust their priorities too when the Lord drew them. And people will be. And I'm saying this to know that this was not just Jesus. This is Him showing us what would happen. Because sometimes people think that being filled with the Spirit is just speaking in tongues. Which is wonderful. But that ain't all of it. You with me? Verse 23. It says, And they were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. Wow. He shared like he had authority. Now he reasoned and they were amazed at his wisdom when he was a little kid. But now they're like, he talks like he's got authority. Like he's got power. It's the same word. 
And it goes on to say in verse 24, saying, let us alone. Whoops, back up. Verse 22. Having authority and not as the scribes. Isn't it interesting? People could hear him and go, you know what? We've listened to other religious people, but this dude's got power. He's got authority. He's different. What made him different? Now verse 23 says, Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now he hadn't cried out till this man with power came. Saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy or torment us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Isn't it interesting demons know who He is and others don't? Verse 25, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of them. We see here that Jesus started walking with a supernatural power and authority. You know, every believer has that that's filled with the Spirit. You've got the power and authority. Verse 28 says this, And immediately His fame spread throughout all the region. Why did His fame grow? Why didn't it grow? I mean, we're one chapter. We're not even one chapter through the beginning. I mean, we're barely... There's 16 chapters. We're halfway through the first chapter. Maybe just this little bit, and all of a sudden His fame starts growing. What happened? The power of the Spirit manifesting through a man or a woman can make fame. You know there's something happening? That's why we should share. How does the fame share? How does the fame come, I guess you should say? It comes through sharing. When you've experienced God, you should say, no, He's there. He's working. He's in that place. Things happen there. Things happen with me. I received Him too. Amen? Verse 29. Now, so here, and the next thing we see is supernatural authority. Verse 29, it says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon, Andrew, uh, and, uh, Simon and Andrew and James and John, or with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served. Isn't it interesting? He now, I mean, after he gets filled with the Spirit, people are getting healed. Verse 32 through 34, we see bunches of people come and people getting healed of, of, of sickness and disease and delivered from the enemy. Verse 35 says this, Now in the morning, now this is after, I mean, I mean now they go, go to bed, whatever. And we see this story here. Now, I don't know how many days exactly that was from when he was baptized. But he goes, and he goes to sleep. They go to go to sleep. Verse 35, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went and got a cup of coffee. No, he didn't. But it's okay if you do. And Simon... Uh, it's, I'm sorry, before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. Isn't it interesting? He got alone, and there he prayed. He got filled with the Spirit, and 
He didn't think, well, it's okay to just do whatever you want. God will just do whatever He wants to. He kept a priority when this demand came upon His life. This newfound demand, He, he needed to make sure He had priorities straight. And so when everybody came and said, hey, you know, where is He? His disciples. He, he, he kept His priorities straight. Notice this in verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him, searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everybody is looking for you. Well, if there's a need, you got to respond to it, right? If there's somebody begging on the side of the road, you just, oh, I feel for them, you've got to do something. Right? Well, let's just see. Sorry. But he said to them, let us go into the next town. He it flat ignored them and they were demanding with a need. Oh, they're all looking for you. There's a bunch of people clamoring for you. And Jesus said, let's go to the next town. You know how many people, if people were clamoring for them, they'd say, well, we must go do this and meet these clamoring people. Now understand this, God will meet those people, but we get a great example here of a man filled with the Spirit. He's not called to meet everybody's need. Nor are you. And if you do, you'll get misled. You'll get misguided. I remember years ago, um, I had taught in a Bible school in South Asia, or in Asia, and uh, some of the students were from Africa. And uh, so they had told me, uh, and, you know, uh, someday we would love to have you. And so some of them sent me a message and said, uh, through, through the internet, and said, uh, we've been praying. We believe God has spoken to us. You need to come, and here's when you need to come. So I said, all right, I'll pray about it. I'm not going to depend on somebody else. Here these people are, Jesus! Now Jesus was living in a, as a man to give us an example. If He was God and had unlimited power and unlimited resources and never got tired and never got weary and had endless time, He could have done whatever. But He wasn't living for Himself. He was showing us how to submit to God and get priorities straight. So these people said, you got, you know, you're going to come. We've already prayed. We all know this is God's will. I told them I'm going to pray. And you know, when I prayed, I didn't get what they got. And it was so strong inside, the Lord dealt with me, don't you go. Do you know the month that they wanted me to come? There were oil derricks off of the coast. They got seized by a certain religious group that were contrary to the Christians. And then civil unrest broke out through the country and they were killing people. And the Lord dealt with me, don't go. And I told him, I'm not going to go. Um, the Lord dealt with me, don't go. But you're more than welcome to invite me again. And if the Lord deals with me, I'll go. They haven't invited me back. But I'm glad I didn't go. And a few months later, the Lord dealt with me. Now, now's the time to go to Arizona and start the church. I would have been in Africa. In civil unrest. Now, if God directs you to go, then, then go. 
but you better know. Hallelujah. And Simon, verse 36, and those uh, who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, he didn't even answer. Everybody's saying, hey, come, come. They're looking for you. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. How many people have been driven into different purposes? I know right now, oh my, be careful what I say. Let me say something different. I know uh, things sometimes but I've, this is a true story many times over. You know, i got friends, got these people, and there's a church over there, and they're in trouble. And I know I've been serving here, and I know I'm supposed to do this, but I really think God's telling me to go. Then you better pray and know, because I've seen people do that. Some in this room who've told me this, and it made their life get off base. I know some, they just went, yeah, there's a need, i got to go do this. And they were not led to really go do it. They saw a need, there was a voice, there were people inviting, saying, we're going to do this for you, we're going to pay you, we're going to do this, we're going to help you, just come and, and, and serve and do this. And, and they went, I'm going to go, and they really didn't get it settled, and the whole thing exploded. That was not God's plan. And then those people got hurt. And they got off base, and some of them got delayed. I know one that's here in the valley, or he was last time, he was a phenomenal guy. I knew him. God did wonderful things for him. He's still not recovered. Here's something that's interesting, because for this purpose I have come forth. Think about that. If he said, I'm going to go there, but all the masses are saying, we're looking for you, we want you, and he said, for this purpose, so that meant that wasn't part of the purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't that God didn't want to reach those people. He had already done something, but he's going to move on. Ooh, there's, there's. Here's something I learned in Bible school that helped me. They said, don't be moved by needs, be moved by God. You'll see all kinds of people. There are some people on the side of the road that God does not want you to give money to. Oh, I just don't, I don't know about that. God may have already dealt with them. Quit it with your friends. Quit it with these things. Separate yourself into this. And now they're just out there begging for money. And so it's like you just perpetuate it. They've never had to eat out of the pig trough. They haven't already hit the bottom. Somebody said, this just sounds cold. It's being honest. There are some things that if we give, we end up burning our own money, and eventually they're going to come to the place, and it'd be better for them to come to the place now. I remember somebody, somebody said, hey, would you loan me some money for a car payment? I have done it before. This person did it, and the Lord dealt with me, don't do it. Because they'll be back next month, and they're going to lose the thing anyway. So I said, sorry, can't do it. Happened just like that. 
I'm not saying don't loan people, but there are some bad habits people have that if they don't adjust it... I mean, I've had people come up to me and they're smoking cigarettes, got a pack of cigarettes, and they're like, I only need five bucks. Can you help me? Um, And I'm not condemning them for smoking cigarettes. That's not what I'm doing. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. I bet you a pack of cigarettes is about five bucks. Anybody know? No, I'm... And so if you're spending five bucks on a pack of cigarettes going, I don't have money, can you help me out? And you buy a pack every day, I'm thinking that's 35 bucks a week. You know, at five, just a pack a day, isn't it? Seven times five, if it's five. I don't know what a pack of cigarettes is. Somebody's like, no, that ain't the math that costs this. It could be more, but I'll have to talk to you about the price of cigarettes after. Um, <laughs> But what I'm getting at, you do that. Pastor Linda's scratching her head again. So let's say it's 40 bucks, 160 bucks. That's 1,600 bucks in 10 months. That's basically two grand, isn't it? In a year. And if you can just give me five bucks, wait a minute. What other bad decisions are you making? There are people who are genuinely in a position and they need help. And there's nothing wrong with helping when God leads you. But God isn't going to lead you always to make you suffer too. But God will lead you. Well, that went over real well. But he was full of the Spirit and he did not. It was not moved by needs. So when I learned that in Bible school, God's not always moved by needs. You should not be moved by needs. I was like, whoa, that will help me. That will help me. That doesn't mean I don't help people, but that should not be my driving force. That should not be our driving force. Well... Maybe we'll do a series on that. <laughs> what moves you? Acts 1 8. Acts 1 verse 8. We've gone over all that. But there we see a man filled with the Spirit. And you think about it. He was led, he was directed. He, there were people that started demanding of him. I'll tell you what, you get in such demand, you have to be led, or people will just wear you out. You know how many good ministers, and I've read charismatic, spirit-filled, church history, seen people who God used in miracle ministries. There is one revival that broke out in Europe. It lasted for about a year and a half, two years. Do you know that that minister, as soon as it was done, was so wiped out he never ministered again? Thousands upon tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were affected, but he, he never quit. Jesus would separate himself. He taught his disciples, don't go when they're demanding of you. Come aside and rest. And the, in reading about this guy, he'd just go, go, go. And in the middle of the night, somebody would call him and say, come and help, we need help. Okay. And people are calling on him. And when they called then, they didn't call by phone. They came and knocked on the door. He should have said no. No. He burned out. Just totally burned out. He should have said no. 
See, but that's foreign to people because they think, well, you should, you should be the one uh, doing this. A lot of ministers have burned out for that very reason. And I mean ones that had phenomenal ministries. William Branham got off base, but he got burned out too. The demand. What am I saying? As we all walk in this, there will be more demand. It's not that you can't serve. Notice he started serving as soon as he got filled. And we should serve. But at the same time, we keep our, our priorities right. If we don't keep our priorities right, we'll burn out anyway. And it's not, you know, if we're doing more than God wants, we can get tired. But you can't go, i got to save my three hours of TV. That's not all part of the equation. Or searching videos on YouTube for hours on end. Those don't count. Somebody's like, I wore steel toe boots today. It don't matter. Stepping on my toes. Don't even feel it. Acts 1. We better just move on because praise the Lord. Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. What happened to Jesus when he got filled? He received power. He received the Holy Spirit. He received ability. But notice he said, you shall receive power, which is the word ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. What kind of witnesses? Empowered witnesses. Is it just in one way? No, when we say their life, they were empowered to serve. They were empowered to share. They were empowered to live everything that Jesus did. And now he's telling all of them, not just the twelve. There were a hundred and something of them there. He said, you shall receive power. Everybody okay? You shall receive ability, and then this ability that will drive you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, one more verse. But I want to say this. If it says you shall receive power, then that means a person saved may not have this power. If you have received, then you do have. If you have not received, you do not have. That doesn't mean you don't have life. In Acts 8, uh, 14 through 17, after uh, the city, uh, Philip had gone down and preached to these people, and they gave their lives to the Lord. But here's the thing. After they had given their life to the Lord, when the apostles found out, it said, then they went down to pray for them that they might receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they needed this power too. What kind of power? The power we just talked about. Isn't salvation good enough on its own? I mean, it is good. I mean, it'll get you to heaven. It'll, it'll change you from the inside out. It'll set you free. But he talked about an empowered living for you and all kinds of areas. It affected Jesus' prayer life. Not only his priority, but it affected him and his relationship with God. Everything. 
And so he said there that they went down and prayed for him that they might receive the Holy Spirit because they were saved, but he hadn't, they hadn't been filled yet. And so he said, you will receive ability to do what everything Jesus did right there. Affect your prayer life. Affect how you serve. Affect everything. You with me? Acts 19, and we'll close with this. It said, when Paul went to this one area and he found disciples, it said, he said, have you been filled with the Spirit? Or actually, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Isn't it interesting? He, they put such a value on salvation. And isn't it interesting? He didn't say, have you, you know, have you been doing this or that? He, as soon as he found out they were believers, he said, have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Then he laid his hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. One, they had been baptized in John's baptism, so they got baptized the right way. And then he laid hands on them and they were filled with the Spirit. Isn't it interesting, those same people, he taught in a letter how to maintain a Spirit-filled life, how to pray, how to effectively serve and witness and all of that, that empowered group. Amen.